0: Please find in your Bibles Galatians chapter 5. So we were singing that song about the Holy Spirit being welcome here. Um, I'm reminded that that's more than a song and it's more than something that we're, we just sing. Um, it really bears out in how we live our lives. Um, we're about to study the fruit of the Spirit. And whether or not the Holy Spirit is welcome in a worship service is one thing. It's on Tuesday afternoon when you're at work or at school. Do you welcome the Holy Spirit in your life, and not in the sense that He's and He is this, just the Comforter? But that's the Spirit of Christ in you, and He wants to lead you, and He wants to produce in you His fruit. And so I I pray that you can hum that song on a Tuesday as much as you can on, on a Sunday morning, and So we read this morning in Galatians this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. And to set it up a little bit, I want you to think about this. God created everything for His glory. Not just to show off what He can do, but to create something that shows who He is. So the the entire universe is created to show who God is. Okay, It's incredible He can do it, but He's not just doing magic tricks. He wants to show us who He is. So with the Word, He creates everything to reveal Himself to us. When we get saved, we are born again, we are a new creation, and we too are to reflect the glory of God. We are to show the world what who God is. Our lives are to be a reflection of Christ living through us. And I think that's the heart of this text. If you weren't in here for the scripture reading, I'll reread it, but this is what was read at the beginning of the service. Jesus says, I'm the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every fr- branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I don't like that verse because he says he wants to produce in us fruit, but he may prune us to do it. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, And then our text this morning is found in Galatians 5, it's verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there, are no, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. God, I do pray that we reflect your glory, um, that we welcome your your presence into our lives, not just to make us feel good on a Sunday morning, but to take over. God, you are our Lord and our Savior, and where your spirit goes, we should go. And here Paul gives us a list of nine areas that um, may require some pruning, But certainly, God, reflect your character. So I just pray that we would learn this morning from your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to contrast this. First of all, point one is contrasting with the flesh. I don't want us to lose context here. So last week was the list of the deeds of the flesh. There were 15 of them, if I'm not mistaken. There was immorality and idolatry and irritability. And I forget the last one, intoxication or something like that. We We talked about all these things that reflect what the flesh looks like. And we're reminded, this is point A, that it conflicts with the flesh. The Spirit of God and the whole and the flesh want to do different things. They're in opposition to one another. And we see it right there in verse 22. It starts with the word but. And so that's our connection to the text before it. Um, there's a, uh, I don't know what to call it, interlinear um, Bible by mounts that has the Greek words. In, and he, he uh, translates this in contrast to or by contrast to the flesh. We have these things, and we saw in chapter 5, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you look down further in chapter 6, it says, Don't be, be deceived, God cannot be mocked. I'm in verse 7, a man reaps what he sows. And then verse 8, whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction, but whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so you have this conflict, okay? It's either I'm going to live, The way I want to live in my sinfulness, or I'm going to live the way the Spirit of God wants me to live. Point B, and this is just the summary to to get us on track again, is we must crucify the flesh. I read this morning already, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And last week, or the week before, I told you about the standoff. Your your flesh wants you to do one thing, you know, the Spirit of God wants you to do something else, and they're, they're going to butt heads. I want to remind you of the word, the word crucified is a, it's a Greek word and it means um, to stake in the ground, okay? It means to stake in the ground. It becomes the, the, the idea of being crucified, a stake in the ground where somebody's um, hung on that. And I'll come back to that, but I don't want you to forget what that word means, the word crucified, stake in the ground. And desires, I want you to remember this word, it has the idea of passion, okay? It has the idea of this just Uh, overwhelming desire to do something i want you to remember those two words because we're going to come back to something later but to this idea of crucifying the flesh that's hard to do and we know we must do it it means to die to ourself it means to 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 put a stake in the ground say i'm not going to do that um an illustration is if if you are a seed okay s-e-e-d you must die in order to fruit to be produced Okay. Um, I, I had a conversation recently where somebody swallowed a seed while eating a fruit. Okay. And the fear was, am I going to start having a tree grow in me? Right. I don't think that's the way it works when we accidentally eat a watermelon seed or whatever it is. But unless that seed, whatever it is, dies, fruit will not be produced. Right. Unless all those sinful desires we killed them we say that is that must die then fruit can't come out of that does that make sense as long as i'm going to live by the flesh the holy spirit cannot bear fruit in my life because they're in conflict with one another and so that summarizes a little bit of last week and, and where we are today so that's point one. Point two is and i've labeled this christ-like fruit there's nine of them um, they don't organize quite as nicely as last week's deeds of the flesh but there's nine of them And I deliberately wanted... This is where I started my outline. Sometimes I joke about trying to find the right words here and there. Christlike is the word I wanted to get out today. Because as we go through love and joy and peace and patience and all those things, we are looking at a picture of Jesus Christ. It is how he lived his life, and it's how he wants to live his life through us. So don't, don't separate the idea that somehow the Spirit has some fruit out there that's kind of different. This is this is Jesus Christ again, how he lived and how he wants to live through us. It is Christ-like fruit. You can see all of them in him, and we should see all of them in us as we're his followers and we yield to his spirit within us. So it's Christ-like fruit, and we'll go into this. Point A is the fruit of the spirit. Um, you can imagine what a fruit is, but um, it, it's what the spirit wants to produce in us. It's what he wants to, to live through us. I want you to notice before we go through this list that most of them, I'm trying to think, maybe all of them, are outwardly focused either towards other people, so love is not just a warm fuzzy, it's something you do and think about somebody else, or it's either outwardly focused or it's detached from the outward, meaning peace is not dependent on your circumstances. Our joy is not dependent on your circumstances. So either they're directed to something outside of you, talk about dying to self there, or it's totally separated from what's outside of you because somebody else can't truly bring you love and joy and some of those th- peace, some of those things that we get so wrapped up in. And so that's how this goes. Okay. So first one is love. You, some of you have sung songs about this your whole life. You learned them in Sunday school. You could probably sing them and recite them better, but the first word is love. It's the idea of agape love. And it's always good to define this aga- I'm mentally, when I say, if you ever hear me say I'm writing a book or I'm gonna write a book someday, I probably will never write a book. I just want you to know that. But I've got some titles for a book on love. And the title of the book, I can almost picture the cover of this, is called Unlovable. Alright? So un is the word. God's love is unconditional. All right? You don't deserve to be loved by God, and you can't blow it. He loves you, okay? It's unconditional. It's undeserved. It's unending, okay? It's unselfish. I don't even know if that's a word or not, but it has un in it, okay? The, the agape kind of love that is not the hallmark kind of love, right? It's not the movie kind of love. It is something when, when the fruit of the spirit of love is in us, we are selfish, selfless. We are sacrificial to people who don't deserve it, can't earn it. It's unconditional. And in that way, it reflects the love that God has for us. And so that's the word agape here. It's, it's very humble. It's very, it, it, it tells the truth too, but it's, it's, it's just that sacrificial kind of love. There are verses like there were last week over and over again but I'll give you a few of them first John 4 8 whoever does not love does not know God because God is love so you can't be unloving and call yourself a Christian that's that's the gist of what that's saying John 15 Jesus says as the father loved me so have I loved you now remain in my love if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's another fruit of the Spirit even there. Okay? Ephesians 5 talks about walk in the way of love. First Corinthians. Everybody know 1 Corinthians, right? You hear it at weddings all the time. It's the, there, there's a whole chapter. You start in chapter 12, frankly, and you go all the way to chapter 14, but 1st, 1st 13, or chapter 13 is in the middle. I'm going to read you this whole passion. This is not a wedding. Nobody's getting married right now, but just, just talking about the love of God and how we are to reflect that. Paul says, let me show you the most excellent way. Okay, that's the start of, of this list. If I speak in the tongue of men's and angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. I, I thought about this this week. Listen, I can be the most eloquent person, but if I'm unloving, nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say, right? Nobody should want to hear what I have to say. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then here's this list, and see if you can't pick out the other fruit here. Love is patient. Isn't that another fruit? Love is kind. So is that. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Okay? This is a big deal, that we're to be loving people. This is how the world will know we're Christ's disciples, is that we love one another, so I hope as you go through this, you ask of yourself, am I a loving and that definition kind of person? Okay? Selfless, sacrificial, and the truth and all that kind of stuff. Secondly, joy. Again, this is where we're detached. Joy in the Bible is not connected to our outward circumstances. Um, in fact, James would say, consider it pure joy when you face many trials. Okay? Um, Luke would say, and I, I find this fascinating, I haven't. I haven't got my mind around this, but Jesus is talking here. He says, do not rejoice that the demons uh, submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I can't figure out, I, I mean, I can get it, but it's the exact same dynamic as the fruit of the Spirit. Why is Jesus full of joy? It's a fruit of the Spirit. He's full of joy in the Holy Spirit because the Father's revealing stuff to his people. Spurgeon puts it this way. If you look at the bust of Roman emperors, they look like prize fighters and murderers. And they were putting Christians in the catacombs, and you can find scribbled in the catacombs. So picture that. You're, in, you're running, you're in jail, you're in prison in the harshest of circumstances. And some of the scribbles go like this. A joyous people have gathered here. See, I expect that we ought to have joy in, you know, 1520 East Main Street. We got air conditioning today and lights and all that kind of stuff. Can your joy be found in the catacombs? As James says, can it be found in suffering? Spurgeon's also helpful here. He says, here's how you can, here's how people become joyless. Again, I, I hope these hit home a little bit. You're too full of joy in the world. You got all you need out there so you don't, know what it means to have the joy of the spirit or you have little faith that god is at work or you're walking away from god or you're sinning those things will kill joy peace is the third one the old testament word of shalom comes in here where everything is just how it's supposed to be everything every relationship is just right all the finances are right everything's right um what a great place to live if everything was just in perfect harmony And that's the word here, it means to be at at peace. Jesus, and you might turn here with me, John chapter 16. I did some time studying this passage out just because it, it caught my attention with peace. John 16, starting in verse 16, we'll get down to verse 33 if we're lucky. Jesus says, in a little while you will see me no more, and then in a little while you will see me again. Basically, Jesus is getting ready to leave his um, disciples. They don't know it yet, but he's about to be arrested and killed publicly. Um, he, they don't know how close that is, and so he's preparing them for that. And at this, some, of the verse, some verse 17 says, some of the disciples said to each other, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking one another, what does it mean in a little while? Why We don't understand what he's saying. Okay, now they're talking to themselves. They can't figure out what Jesus is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. But your grief will turn to joy. Okay? Now I want this is where I got sidetracked a little bit. And and we'll go on here in a second. While the world rejoices, while the world has joy, we mourn. Okay? And I I think you feel that even today in this world. But he says, In a while your grief will turn to joy. Now let, let me I don't think he's saying this. Because Jesus rose again, right? And they were excited about that. But then they all died. So it's not like... What I don't think Jesus is saying is, you're going to be really sad today, but tomorrow you won't be sad anymore. You'll have this joy because I'm alive. No, he says your grief... I think, will be the seed of your joy. What the world is rejoicing at, the killing of Jesus Christ, what you hate is that I'm leaving and going to the Father. Your very grief will become your joy. It's not trading one for the other, it turns into. Your grief will be turned to joy, meaning... You will see that God accomplished the the redemptive death of His Son on the cross, that He was buried and rose again three days later, and He's at the right hand of the Father, and He's sending back His Holy Spirit. And even in the grief as they kill you, you will have a joy. And He'll go on to say a joy that the world can't take from you. In fact, let's go on. Verse 21, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish of her joy that a child was born into the world. I I don't want to ask for a show of hands, but ladies, I'm guessing you didn't forget the pain. I'm guessing you understand the fruit that came from that pain. And you're as happy as you can be because of it. You see, the very things that cause us grief bring joy. That's a deep thing. But Paul would say, like, if they persecute you, rejoice because they persecuted me. You reflect Christ in that way. It's, it's again, a deep thing. He goes on to say, verse 22, So now with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. If you go down to verse 24, your joy will be complete. Verse 27 the Father loves you because you have loved me and you have believed that I came from God. All the way down to take heart. Verse Verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. That's the joy that comes from knowing Christ. Fourthly, is forbearance. I always want to use the word patience here uh, because that's how I learned it growing up. The, The NIV uses the uh, word forbearance, which I do think is a better word. Um, and remember earlier when I told you that passion and desire of the flesh, there's a Greek word there called thumia. Okay. It means just to boil over with passion. Forbearance is called macro thumia. Okay. And macro doesn't mean like a whole bunch of it. It means you're able to bear much passion. So it's it's the same idea here. Rather than flying off in fits of rage, which is what the flesh does, you're able to bear long-term bad things. Okay, And so the opposite, I think the contrast is very clear. Somebody wrongs you, something wrong happens, you either fly off the handle at them or you forbear it. Does that make sense? It's a long-suffering. It's a... Long suffering. It's a It's it's the opposite of being short-tempered. There's several verses here. Timothy would uh, be told by Paul, um, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, that in me the worst of sinners Christ might display his immense patience, that's the same word there, as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, this is a verse that will keep coming back. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Romans 2, 4. Do not show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience. God's kindness is intended to bring you to repentance. Repentance. In 1 Peter 1.23, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So again, are you a forbearing kind of person? See, this is why I like forbearance better than patience. It's one thing to say, I'm very patient. I can wait my turn in line at the red light. Well, good for you, right? Forbearance has the idea of bearing under Injustice, bearing under when somebody wrongs you. And back to that love chapter 13, love keeps no record of wrong. It is not easily offended. Man, as I went through this, I'm like, these are much more than just a children's Sunday school song. That's hard to, and that's why we need Christ to do it. Five is kindness. This has to do with, um, it just overflows from us. And so earlier we had fits of rage last week. This is like fits of kindness. It just, because God has been so kind to us, it's directed at others, um, specifically others who are helpless and hopeless. You just are kind to other people who really don't have any other options. And the reason this is important is because it's the word that uh, describes us before God. And I've said this before, when you see that beggar at the side of the road, that is you spiritually before a holy God. At the end of your rope, you don't have anything to offer. God sent his son to die for you, right? And so the, the people, again, they don't deserve it, maybe. They send, but love is kind to those who are not kind to them. And again, Romans tells us that it was God's kindness that led us to repentance. We've got to move. Six, goodness. This also has the idea of generosity. It's not just being a good person. It's being a generous person. Paul would write to the Thessalonians uh, that he constantly prays for them that God would make them worthy of his calling so that by his power he might bring to fruition every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. There's a translation of the Bible that I think is contemporary English version puts it this way. God chose you and we keep praying that God will make you worthy of being his people. We pray for God's power to help you do all the good things you hope to do and that your faith makes you want to do. You should want to be good to other people. You should want their well-being. That's what this means. Seven is faithfulness. It means you're dependable. You're a person of your word, that people can depend on you. And then gentleness. Um, You've heard sermons, I know, from me and others, but it's the idea of meekness. It's the picture, it was used not just for Christians, it was used for agriculture. A colt that was tamed was meek. I always think of an elephant tied to a little stake at a circus. I don't know why. That elephant has all the energy and power to pull that stake up, but its power is under control. It's been trained or however to do that. A dog is another example. We could learn a lot from the elephants and the colts and the dogs, okay? Jesus is our great example. He could call down 10,000 angels if he wanted to. It was not a matter of not having the power to do it. It was under the control of God's Holy Spirit. So we're to be gentle in that way. By the way, sometimes that means we're able to hear from others that disagree with us. We're not, we don't lash out. We we keep that under control. And then finally, self-control, which is probably the exact opposite of the deeds of the flesh. We are either controlled by the Spirit or controlled by the flesh. Proverbs says, Better is a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, than one who takes a city. There are a lot of people that can do all kinds of things, but they can't They can control all kinds of people in all kinds of circumstances. They can't control themselves. Think of all the things you can control with your phone, right? And yet you can't control your thoughts. You can't control your, your attitude. You can't control your tongue. Proverbs 25, 28, Like a city whose walls are broken through as a person who lacks self-control. If you want your world and your, your life to go to pot, then lack self-control. Now all these are a fulfilled, uh, I mean, sorry, a fruit of the Spirit. Let me move quickly now. That's the bulk of it, so don't panic here. Point B is these are all fulfilled in the Son. That's point B. Jesus Christ, that's why I call these Christ-like fruit. He was loving, right? He was kind, he was good. He was all of those things. And so, while these are good to examine ourselves before God, God is not taking out a list of nine things and checking us off and saying, Well, today, George, you got a seven and a half. Right? But you really blew it in the self control part. And so, on average, you're about a B minus today or a C plus. I don't know. I have the righteousness of Christ. Jesus Christ was always loving, always kind. All of these fruit of the Spirit. He did. Okay, He lived these out. And point C, though, they are to be found in us. We are to strive. The, the, Jesus says our, uh, you recognize a tree by its fruit. We're told in Peter that we are we are to have um, the divine nature in us. And so we can't just write it off and say, well, Jesus took care of it. I don't have to worry about it. In fact, one of the interesting things, I won't give you all the um, verses, but over and over the Bible says you're to bear much fruit. And each one of these nine things, and later on I can show you the screenshot here if you want, every one of them, from love to joy to peace to patience, all of them, elsewhere in the New Testament we are commanded to do those things. Okay? And so I'll just pick the one, love, as a fruit of the Spirit, but also Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, you must love one another. So he calls us to do something that he enables us to do as we yield to the Holy Spirit. That's the dynamic that's going on here. Again, each and every one of those, I can give you a verse or two that we are called to be gentle. We're called to be self-controlled. Point three is where the rubber hits the road, choosing to follow. We can all, and I can do the same thing. Yeah, I know. I know what it means. I know what it means. Well, can we do it? That's the hard part, right? Right. A, keeping the statutes. He says in verse 23, against such things there is no law. We've covered this week after week after week. No law can make me loving. No law can make me patient. The red light can keep me from driving through the intersection, but it doesn't make me patient, right? In fact, it makes me impatient. So this is Paul's point here. It's not that you're going to get circumcised and all of a sudden you're going to be holy. It's a deeper issue. It goes to the heart. And so against such things there is no law, and then this is really the nitty-gritty, this is where it happens, point B, keeping in step. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Remember earlier I told you to say, crucified is a stake in the ground? Same word here. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. I'm sorry, it's not the same word. Oh, I, that was the... Where was that? Oh, i got to come back to that thing. Uh, you're going to have to hit me up later about that. Okay, this is a different Greek word. No, it's the same thing. It means basically well it's to be enlightened to just say this is me i'm here this is how i'm going to go when the spirit says i'm going to do it to keep in step is to line up under it other ways it's used in the new testament living in obedience to the law following in the footsteps of faith follow the rule live up to what we've already attained this whole thing is to drive a stake in the ground and say i am christ not me okay now let me try and give you some applications and these are not easy they're hard to do two simple ones a crucify the flesh i'm asking you to examine your life those deeds of the flesh we talked about last week if they're present in your life you've got to die to those things and you probably need help to die to those things you must recognize them and you must turn from them you must repent of them you can't play this game of i'm going to Say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and yet I follow the flesh and not the Spirit of God within me. I'm going to give you a couple little um, next steps if you want them. Starting this Wednesday night, adult Bible studies start, and at me at 6.30, somewhere down the hall probably. We're going to unpack many of the passages that I skipped over last week about immorality and what it looks like, A, in our lives, but also in the world. We're going to cover some of the things going on in culture too. But if you want a better idea of how dangerous immorality is and stuff like that, then come visit me on Wednesday nights at 6.30. Okay, that'll help in that process. Um, in Trimble, just up the road, you know we're helping to replant up there, starting in, at the end of September, on Thursday nights, there's going to be a men's small group that has to deal with the area of sexual immorality. So if you need help in that area, there's going to be a group forming to help you with that. But you must make a point to crucify the flesh. Secondly... Are you cultivating the fruit? Again, you might be able to go through this list. Love, joy, peace, patience. You can almost spit it out. The spiritual disciplines will help you just make sure you're reading your Bible. Make sure you're around other Christians. Make sure you're following Christ to, to serve Him and share your faith and your everything from giving to your tongue to everything. Make sure you're disciplining yourself there. And here's the hardest part. You just got to die to yourself. When that showdown happens... And the flesh says this and the spirit says this. I can't tell you how, I wish I don't preach on some of these things. I can't tell you how many times this last week. And it has everything across the board from how to react when I'm driving to what to do when I'm hungry and everything, right? The, the flesh says this, but the spirit says this. And you have those moments where you say, I've got to die to self and yield to the spirit of God. I wish it were easy. It's not but that's why it's Christ living through us. We're not called to do this on our own. Let's pray. God, I, I just pray as we wrapped up this section on the fruit that um, we would remember um, that we are created to to bring you glory, to reveal your glory to the world. And God, we don't do that when we live by the flesh. We only do that when we yield ourselves to your Holy Spirit. And so God, for those today that need to die to the flesh i pray god that you help them do that that you you show them the need to do that and god help us to yield to the spirit too. help us to do the things that put us in a position where we can hear his voice and yield to his voice god this is not self-help again only those who have the spirit of god within them can bear the fruit of the spirit so i pray for someone here that's not saved today They're trying to do it on their own, everything from being right with you to being right with other people in their world, and they're trying to do it on their own, and they don't have the Spirit of Christ in them. I pray, God, that they would just lay down their life and um, see their need for a Savior and see their need for your Spirit. God, may you be glorified in all this. In Jesus' name, amen.